Concluding Dissertation, Section 150 of The Life of Jesus Critically Examined by David Friedrich Strauss, translated by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Concluding Dissertation, The Dogmatic Import of the Life of Jesus. Section 150, The Speculative Christology. Kant had already said that the good principle did not descend from heaven merely at a particular time, but had descended on mankind invisibly from the commencement of the human race. And Schelling laid down the proposition, The incarnation of God is an incarnation from eternity. But while the former understood under that expression only the moral instinct, which, with its ideal of good and its sense of duty, has been from the beginning implanted in man, the latter understood under the incarnate Son of God the finite itself, in the form of the human consciousness, which, in its contradistinction to the infinite, herewith it is nevertheless one, appears as a suffering God, subjected to the conditions of time. In the most recent philosophy, this idea has been further developed in the following manner. When it is said of God that he is a spirit, and of man that he also is a spirit, it follows that the two are not essentially distinct. To speak more particularly, it is the essential property of a spirit, in the distribution of itself into distinct personalities, to remain identical with itself, to possess itself in another than itself. Hence, the recognition of God as a spirit implies that God does not remain as a fixed and immutable infinite encompassing the finite, but enters into it, produces the finite, nature, and the human mind, merely as a limited manifestation of himself, from which he eternally returns into unity. As man, considered as a finite spirit, limited to his finite nature, has not truth, so God, considered exclusively as an infinite spirit, shut up in his infinitude, has not reality. The infinite spirit is real only when it discloses itself in finite spirits, as the finite spirit is true only when it merges itself with the infinite. The true and real existence of spirit, therefore, is neither in God by himself, nor in man by himself, but in the God-man, neither in the infinite alone, nor in the finite alone, but in the interchange of impartation and withdrawal between the two, which, on the part of God, is revelation, on the part of man, religion. If God and man are in themselves one, and if religion is the human side of this unity, then must this unity be made evident to man in religion and become in him consciousness and reality. Certainly, so long as man knows not that he is a spirit, 
he cannot know that god is man while he is under the guidance of nature only he will deify nature when he has learned to submit himself to law and thus to regulate his natural tendencies by external means he will set god before him as a lawgiver but when in the vicissitudes of the world's history the natural state discloses its corruptions the legal its misery the former will experience the need of a god who elevates it above itself the latter of a god who descends to its level man being once mature enough to receive as his religion the truth that god is man and man of a divine race it necessarily follows since religion is the form in which the truth presents itself to the popular mind that this truth must appear in a guise intelligible to all as a fact obvious to the senses in other words there must appear a human individual who is recognized as the visible god this god-man uniting in a single being the divine essence and the human personality it may be said of him that he had the divine spirit for a father and a woman for his mother his personality reflecting itself not in himself but in the absolute substance having the will to exist only for god and not at all for itself he is sinless and perfect as a man of divine essence he is the power that subdues nature a worker of miracles but as god in a human manifestation he is dependent on nature subject to its necessities and sufferings is in a state of abasement must he even pay the last tribute to nature does not the fact that the human nature is subject to death preclude the idea that that nature is one with the divine no the god-man dies and thus proves that the incarnation of god is real that the infinite spirit does not scorn to descend into the lowest depths of the finite because he knows how to find a way of return into himself because in the most entire alienation of himself he can retain his identity further the god-man in so far as he is a spirit reflected in his infinity stands contrasted with men in so far as they are limited to their finiteness hence opposition and contest result and the death of the god-man becomes a violent one inflicted by the hands of sinners so that to physical degradation is added the moral degradation of ignominy and accusation of crime if god then finds a passage from heaven to the grave so must a way be discoverable for man from the grave to heaven the death of the prince of life is the life of mortals by his entrance into the world as god-man god showed himself reconciled to man 
by his dying in which act he cast off the limitations of mortality he showed moreover the way in which he perpetually effects that reconciliation namely by remaining throughout his manifestation of himself under the limitations of a natural existence and his suppression of that existence identical with himself inasmuch as the death of the god-man is merely the cessation of his state of alienation from the infinite it is in fact an exaltation and return to god and thus the death is necessarily followed by the resurrection and ascension the god-man who during his life stood before his cotemporaries as an individual distinct from themselves and perceptible by the senses is by death taken out of their sight he enters into their imagination and memory the unity of the divine and human in him becomes a part of the general consciousness and the church must repeat spiritually in the souls of its members those events of his life which he experienced externally the believer finding himself environed with the conditions of nature must like christ die to nature but only inwardly as christ did outwardly must spiritually crucify himself and be buried with christ that by the virtual suppression of his own sensible existence he may become in so far as he is a spirit identical with himself and participate in the bliss and glory of christ End of section 150